Hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today on a brand new broadcast week. And today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about five ways to know that you are growing. Now, all of us want to grow. Now, I'm not just talking about physical growth. I think that's going to happen pretty much automatically. But we want to grow in our work. Uh, We want to grow in our relationships. And hopefully, you want to grow spiritually. I discovered something about spiritual growth. It is not an overnight event. It is a lifelong process. Somebody said this, discipline is the other side of discipleship. Without discipline, you're never going to be all that God wants you to be. I want you to know that the world is run by those who are disciplined. Those who are able to complete a task, those who are focused on what they're doing, those who are able to stay with it through thick and thin. You know, my sister is a piano player. She at one time was a concert pianist. All four of my sisters are very accomplished musicians, and all four of them play the piano. One of my sisters makes her living teaching other people how to play the piano. On any given time, she'll have about 40 students a week, and uh, that's her full-time job. She teaches piano lessons. My other sister that was the concert pianist uh, now is leading worship in her church, and then I've got another sister up in New Hampshire, and she played piano for years for her husband, who is a church planner up there. And then my uh, my last sister, who is uh, in Northern Virginia, She plays a little piano for her church. And so, you know, when you think about it, how do you get good at playing an instrument like the piano or any instrument? How do you get good at being an athlete? Well, you take something hard and you work it. And you keep working it so much that it becomes easy. Well, it's not really becoming easier. You're really becoming proficient at it. You develop things like muscle memory and you stretch your fingers, and you get in the habit of doing certain things, and most people can't do it because they don't have the discipline. You know, if you take two athletes that are about the same skill level, and one of them has a very strong work ethic, he will outperform that other person who has the same talent every single time. The world is run by those who are disciplined. So we're going to look at five ways that we're going to grow. And you can guess the first one is discipleship. You know, there's a high cost of discipleship, but I want you to know it is worth the investment. You know, there's a high cost to have a long-term marriage, but it's worth it. Lord Kenneth Clark was internationally known for his television series, Civilization. He lived and he died without faith in Christ. He admitted in his autobiography that while visiting a beautiful church, that he had believed that he was going to have this overwhelming religious experience, and he did. Here he is at this beautiful church, a cathedral, and he has this amazing experience. And he wrote, My whole being was irradiated by a kind of heavenly joy far more than intense than anything I had known before. But the flood of grace, as he described it, it created a problem. If he allowed himself to be influenced by it, he knew that he would have to change. His family might not think that he was so great, and his family might have thought he'd lost his mind. It may be that intense joy would prove to be an illusion. So he concluded, I was too deeply embedded in the world to change course. I hope that's not you today. I hope that you're not so deeply embedded in the world 
that you cannot make a change of course. When I was in seminary, I was learning the five essentials of a healthy church. And as I was trying to remember these five essentials of a healthy church, one of my professors said, well, this is how you can remember these five points. And maybe this will help you to remember the five ways in which we grow. It's a simple sentence, and it goes like this. Dead frogs won't ever move. He said, now, what kind of a crazy statement is that? Well, the first letter from each of those words in that sentence, dead frogs won't ever move, the first letter stands for the five points that we're going to cover today. So letter D for dead, discipleship. If you're going to be healthy as a believer, if you're going to be healthy in your relationships with other people, there's got to be this discipleship process that is taking place. Now, remember this, discipline is the other side of discipleship. That's why there are so few disciples, because it requires discipline. Now, most churches will help you to grow in your faith by two ways, right? We call them classes, and we call them groups. You're going to grow spiritually when you're with other people, when you're going through classes like discipleship classes and Bible studies, but you also need to be in groups. And sometimes these can happen simultaneously, but when you're in a group, you have that accountability. So it's not just your head being filled with information, it's people coming alongside you, encouraging you to keep on keeping on. Now, when it comes to this matter of making disciples, this was a command that was given to us by Jesus himself. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, notice he didn't say make converts. Now, conversion is the first step of discipleship, but that's not the end. So many people are saved, but they've never grown in their faith. So go make disciples of all nations, Jesus said. When does it begin? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it's the component of teaching, right? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So a disciple is one who is going to be following and obeying the teachings of Christ. Now, let me give you some ways that you know you are growing as a disciple. Now, this is important because as we look at growth, there are certain indicators. Now, I have two grandchildren, and I love them dearly, right? Now, my granddaughter is uh, about a year younger than my grandson. And the amazing thing about it, they're both amazing children. And my granddaughter, when it comes to her height, she's at the top 95%. And she's a year younger than my grandson, but she's almost as tall as he is. My grandson, on the other hand, is always on the lower 5% for height. Now, why does this matter, right? Well, we look at these growth indicators to see where our children are in correspondence or in relationship to others. How are they growing in relationship to the entire population? When it comes to being a disciple, you know that you are growing more like Christ when you put Jesus first in all things. Notice I said all things, not some things, in all things. Let's look what Jesus said about this topic in Mark chapter 8. Jesus had a crowd that was coming along with him and his disciples, and he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must first deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, 
But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel's sake will save it. Now, what good is it for you if somebody should gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And now notice what Jesus says. If you want to be my disciple, you must, right? It's very emphatic here. It's not optional. You must deny yourself and take up their cross and follow me. So being a disciple is putting Jesus first and carrying your cross. Now, notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say that you give up your responsibilities to follow Christ. I think a lot of people think that if I could just live in a monastery somewhere and be away from everybody, away from the whole world, I would be a great follower of Christ. Jesus doesn't call us to be living in a monastery. He says to take up your cross and follow him. You're putting him first. You're denying yourself. You're putting Jesus first. You're taking up your cross. I'd be taking others second, putting yourself last. Because whoever wants to save their life, says Jesus, is actually going to lose it. And so when we think about putting Jesus first, Jesus was very specific when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. In other words, all the things that we worry about. Jesus said, God's going to take care of those if you put his kingdom first. So number one, we are a disciple by putting Jesus first in all things, right? And number two, we've got to be following the teachings of Jesus. Now let's look at John 8, 31 and 32. And Jesus says to the Jews that believed in him, he said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, I love how this verse is put together because so many people just quote the last part of verse 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, Jesus says in order to know the truth that's going to set you free, you must first hold to his teachings. That must, you must obey his teachings. You must observe his teachings. Then you are really a disciple. Then when you're really a disciple and you're holding the true teachings of Christ, you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, I want you to know that God can use anybody, anybody that's willing to follow him. And not too long ago, I read in Christianity Today an article by Gregory Reynolds, and he shares how he went from being a hippie to being a pastor. He says, I grew up in a liberal congregational church. During my junior year in high school, my mother came, and she was a person who had genuine faith. She went to the local Baptist church where the gospel was preached. But as for me, I remained uninterested in Christianity. By the time I went off to college and I'm enrolled as a student, I was falling into the 1960s counterculture. I soon affirmed and, and was living an immoral life. I was living a life of spiritual relativism. That, that means he was just basically doing whatever he thought was most expedient for him and throwing a, a spiritual component to him. In 1970, he says, I left school to join a commune in Oregon. During my summer there, we hiked, we camped, and we climbed along the Three Sisters Wilderness on the Cascade Range. We enjoyed many deep discussions about Eastern religion and the meaning of life. 
Ultimately, however, life in this commune was deeply demoralizing. If nothing else, it washed away my naive confidence in the inherent goodness of humanity. Oh, I still believe, for instance, that sex was meant for marriage, or at least for serious relationships, but that norm was flooded out, and everywhere I looked, I saw people living contrary to that. I looked at the work ethic, and and I used to think that I should have a strong work ethic, but many members of the commune were mooching off of their parents. Their lifestyle showed up in their chronic neglect of chores, even simple things like washing dishes or cleaning up after yourself. The breaking point for me came during a week-long musical festival in Portland, known as Vortex. But the depths of depravity I witnessed there convinced me I had to get away. I returned to the Boston area, literally singing the blues. I had gone to Oregon in sorts of peace and love, but now I felt the weight of my ideals collapsing. There was a dark time for many committed counterculture enthusiasts, and I was really getting depressed. I had just read Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin had both recently died from drug overdoses. Several days later, I sat desperately in my room, realizing my own desperate condition. I was the problem. It wasn't the establishment. It was my hedonistic friends in Oregon. My heart was dark and filled with selfishness. I knew I was living for my own pleasure and satisfaction. I looked at a picture of Jesus that I'd received from a friend of mine in the commune. In his mind, Jesus was just this quintessential guru. The picture showed Jesus smiling very benignly, but his bleeding heart reminded me of the crucifixion. Then the realization stole over me. Jesus had died for sinners like me. Almost immediately, I grabbed my Bible. I turned to the book of Jonah, where I read, But Jonah ran away from the Lord. This was me, fleeing from a God who graciously let the Woodstock generation swallow me up and spit me back out, all so he could get my attention. From there, I read the Bible, and I quickly latched on to the teachings in John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciple, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I wanted to tell everyone the liberating good news of Jesus Christ. My spiritual and intellectual hunger led me to study with Francis Schaeffer and the fellowship that he started in Switzerland. Here I discovered the rich heritage of theology, and I changed my whole direction in my life. Now, thanks to Christ, my hope is built on the solid rock, not sinking sand. You see, if you really want to continue to grow in the faith, if you want to really see the truth that will set you free, you must be a disciple. So we've learned a disciple is one who is putting Jesus first in all things. A disciple is one who is following Jesus' teaching. A disciple is also one who is bearing fruit. Jesus put it this way in John 15. He said, I am the vine... You are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
but apart from me you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Bearing fruit is required as a follower of Christ, but the only way we can bear fruit is by remaining in Christ, and Christ remaining in us. I want you to know God calls us to bear fruit. It is a mark of being a disciple of Christ. You are reproducing yourself. Fruit bears like fruit. You know, one of the things I've noticed about my kids is they have my resemblance and they have my wife's resemblance. It always amazes me when we go to see people, and and, uh, I have two brothers, one that is 11 months younger than me, and another one that's about two and a half years younger than me. And every time that I see them, I don't get to see them too often because they're up in New England, but we were just up there for a wedding a couple weeks ago, and I had all my brothers together, all my sisters together, and my son and my daughter came along with us. And when we got there, it always amazed me. My kids would always say, man, Uncle Jeff looks like you, or Uncle Tim looks like you. Well, they are my brothers, right? And it seems like the older they get, the more they look like me. And we don't live very close together, and we don't see each other very much, but my kids even remarked, man, they even dress like you, Dad, and have the same hairstyle as you. Well, I tell them, you know the great thing about being a man is that you can have the same hairstyle for 40 years, and nobody thinks anything about it. And so my brothers have the same hairstyle that I have, and they're graying like I am, and we look alike because we are of the same mother and father. So a disciple is one who bears fruit. Another thing about a disciple, you know, if you're a disciple of Christ, you love other disciples. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give unto you, love one another. How do I love one another? As I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everybody will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, notice Jesus doesn't say they're going to know you're a follower of Christ by how much of God's word you quote back at them. No, a lot of people can quote a lot of scripture. I'm not against that. We're to know the teachings of Christ. But that's not how people are convinced that we're followers of Christ. They are convinced that we're different because we have love for one another. You know, it's a sign of being a Christian. I remember going to Bible college, and I had a dear roommate who said, you know, I I think that this is great that we're preparing for ministry. And he would say, well, you know, ministry, it would be great if it wasn't for people. We always chuckle at that uh, because ministry is all about people. That's what ministry is. That's what being a disciple is. Listen, anybody can be a disciple if they don't have to hang around anybody else. I mean, can you imagine how easy it would be to be a disciple if you didn't have to worry about children and wives and and relationships at work and people at church? I mean, just isolate yourself from everybody. But you know what? Jesus loves us, and if his love abides in us, we can't help but love other people. That's why it is such a disheartening thing to see people who say, man, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. The church is the bridegroom of Christ. As believers in Christ— The church has been established so that we can learn to love each other, so that we can learn to get along with each other. When I think about all that Christ has done for me, 
I need to spread that love with other people. And there's one other earmark that I'm going to give you just before we wind up the broadcast for today. Lastly, you know that you are growing as a disciple if you are making disciples of others. Let me quickly review, okay? You know that you're growing in your faith and you're becoming a disciple if you are one who is able to put Jesus first in all things. Number two, you're following Jesus' teaching. Number three, you are bearing fruit. And number four, you are in a situation where you are loving other disciples. And then number five, you are making disciples of others. Look what Jesus said. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. He says, all authority has been given in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, Jesus is going to transfer some of this authority. He says, go, therefore, make disciples. Now, how can you make disciples? You can only do that by the authority that is given to us in heaven and earth, given to us by Jesus himself. We are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, whenever I baptize people, I say, I now baptize you, my brother or my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the fullness of his resurrection. So I am teaching them to obey everything. It begins at baptism. And he says, I'm with you always. Now, when you think about discipleship, there's nothing more exciting than helping another person become a Christian. On that same level is helping that person who just became a believer to experience the exhilarance of being a disciple. Don't you love to see your children grow and your grandchildren grow? I mean, it's so exciting when they're born. I love that when they're newborn babies. It's so exciting. God bless us with a new member of the family. But it's also joyful watching them grow up, watching them not only grow up physically, but grow up spiritually. You know, one of the things of I love about being a pastor is I get to see people when they're born the first time. I get to see them when they're born again. I get to see them when they're baptized. I get to have communion with them. In many cases, I get to do their weddings and and get to do other ceremonies with them. I've spoken at a lot of retirement ceremonies and prayed at a lot of commencement ceremonies. These are exciting things that you get to be part of. And then my ministry with a person ends when I when I do their funeral service, when I do the celebration of their life. It's so exciting to see people grow and to see people develop, and and it brings about a certain level of joy. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. So tomorrow, I want you to join me because we're going to talk about fellowship tomorrow. We talked about discipleship this morning uh, in the broadcast, and we're going to talk about the second aspect of growing healthy in your relationship with the Lord. But as we close out today, I want to remind you that we have an opportunity at Hickory Ridge Academy. If you are interested in teaching children, loving on these kids, and uh, if you love the Lord and you love kids, we have an opportunity for you. We are gearing up for our summer school, and, and uh, our summer camps are already full. As a matter of fact, my wife asked me last night if, if we could look at buying another van. So 
so we can take an extra 15 kids because here it is uh, just the first part of February and our summer camps are already full. And so we're looking at that opportunity. But in order to continue to grow, we need staff. We have an amazing staff. If you'd like to work with us at Hick Ridge Academy, would you shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365? 252-267-2365. Just say, hey, I'm interested in working at the daycare. I'm interested in working at the Early Learning Center. Or uh, they, we have a K-5 and and we're hoping even to expand that uh, in the near future. So great opportunity for you to be involved in a Christian environment. And uh, we have an amazing group of people that you work with. And I love hanging out with our, our staff, our church staff, our academy staff. And I'd love to have you as part of our team. So that number one more time. And also, if I can pray for you. Man, I tell you what, I love praying for people because God answers prayer. If you have something that you'd like me to pray with you for, uh, I'd be happy to do that. I can get our prayer team praying with you as well. Every Thursday, 5 a.m., we're praying for people that listen to the broadcast. And so that number, one more time, if you want more information about the Academy, more information about the church or a prayer request, it's 252-267-2365. Shoot me a text, and I'll get back to you just as quick as I can. Thank you so much for joining me today. Look forward to talking with you tomorrow on part two of Ways in Which We Grow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.